Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Now, over the past couple of weeks, and again, you know, we weren't planning to have an impromptu youth Sunday a couple weeks ago, but it happened. Testimonies needed to be shared. We needed to see what God had did in these kids' lives. And for the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about at youth group identity and talking about our identity in Christ now that we have been changed and transformed and are being transformed into his image. But the theme that seemed to come up is, even from camp was, to continue to fight for your fire. Now, like I was saying a couple weeks ago, it doesn't take a camp for you to experience the presence of God. There are some days that you might come in on a Sunday, it's like, man, I know that I know that I know that I know God is real. I know that he moves in my life. I know he can do anything, but then Monday comes. Monday comes and, and next thing you know, you start to feel an itch in your throat and you start to cough and you're starting to feel kind of weird and... Oh, God, is it COVID? What's going on, God? People in this church are losing family members to sickness. You start to question. You go from that high of thinking, well, I know that God is real. I know that he can do anything. I know that he has the authority. I know he's sufficient enough. I know I find my identity in Christ. But why does it seem like when I'm trying to live my life right and I'm doing all the right things and nothing seems to be going my way? How am I supposed to keep my fire and my passion for God when it doesn't seem like he's coming through? How do I continue to fight for this relationship with God when, when, when I'm doing everything, Pastor JR? I'm serving in all the ministries I can. I'm serving up to all of the, the services. I'm here at Bible study. I'm here on Sundays. I'm here on Thursdays. Uh, I'm, I'm in each and every uh, growth group I can possibly be in. I, I'm doing everything that I can. It doesn't seem to be going right. I pray that today that you're encouraged. I pray today that, they, that not only that you're encouraged, but you're empowered when you leave this place, that the Spirit of God doesn't stay here in this room, but it follows you as you go on to your everyday lives. Yes. That Christ didn't die just to stay in a place. Christ, that he, Christ died so that the Spirit can live on the inside of you. Yeah. It's important for us to recognize that. Is that if we rely on these feelings... If we rely on how we're feeling that day, listen, our relationship with God is going to be fickle. Let's keep it on it. There are some days, let me be honest, I don't feel like showing up on Thursdays. There are some days, listen, Mariah and and John Butcher III, I love them with all my heart, but they be keeping us up all night. There are some days my flesh doesn't feel like it, but I don't give my flesh the control over my life. I am led by God's spirit that this battle, this fight that we're in isn't against flesh and blood. This isn't about how we feel. That yet, I'm not saying for you not to trust your emotions. Your emotions have a place, but not a place to direct and guide you. So so many times, it's funny. It's funny. My, My baby brother... My baby brother's playing football for the first first time this year. I was so so proud. I saw him get a tackle for loss. I stood up and everything. I was like flexing. You know how it is. Like 
when you ain't played football in over a decade and you're just like, yeah, yeah, like you're on the field, like, bro, calm down, calm down, relax. But it's funny because he, he's talking a lot about a lot like how like, oh, yeah, you know, we got to make sure we watch film and, and understand how, how the opposing team is going to work. And it kind of lit a light bulb in my head because it's the same way with the spiritual batter in our lives. Is that if we live life just like, ah, oh, well, you know, the enemy's going to be enemy. He's going to do his thing and just try to do whatever we can. We're going to fall short. That we have to know what we're up against. We have to know what we're fighting. Because if we're not prepared, if we leave this room, we go into our regular lives trying to fight spiritual battles with our flesh, we're going to fail. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna circulate this message around two questions, okay? Y'all cool with that? Just two questions. Y'all cool? Y'all writing notes? Y'all taking notes? All right. First question that we want to ask ourselves when we want to fight for our fire is this. What are we up against? What are we up against? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. If you don't have your Bibles, we have the Sky Bible up back there. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Somebody say in. And in the power of his might, somebody say his, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, underline that, highlight, do whatever you need to do, but against principalities, against, sorry, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Now, now listen, we can do a whole other message on the armor of God. That's your guys' homework, okay? Go home and, and read about the armor of God. But when we look at the enemy, when we look at what we're up against, Ephesians chapter 6 describes the enemy, the devil, as somebody with strategies. He's showing up to the battle prepared. The Bible talks about the enemy, the devil, being like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I don't know if you've ever watched Animal Planet or National Geographic. Lions don't just run into the, 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 the herd and, and attack what they need to attack. They sit and they wait. They're trying to see which one of you guys is going to be the sickly one. Which one is the weak one in the bunch that I can take out? And it might not always look like what you think it might look like. You might think, man, man, spiritually, I'm good. I got it all together. I read my Bible. I do all my devotionals. But the one thing that makes us weak is when we rely on our own strength. Some people don't get that. They think that they can approach the word of God thinking like, well, I'm a good person approaching a good God. That must, that must, that must make me great. That's not how that works. We have this ideology like I'm already a good person and, and I'll just add these Christian things to make sure I put a little bit of insurance on my life. We are wretched. We are nothing without God. And we have this ideology and, and, and people don't like that language. When you say nothing, when we say, when we say that we're, we're, we're trash, basura, we're trash. When we realize that we are nothing without God, when we approach this word like, look, God, I am nothing without you. It becomes that much easier for you to be submitted under his will and his authority. When you realize you don't have the strength and that you don't have the peace and that you don't have the joy, that you can't find it on your own, and the only place that you can find it is in the word of God, in his will and his authority, it makes everything different. 
You wonder why you have such trouble when, when that certain scripture pops up and you have a conflict in your life. You're wondering why in today's day and age there are, there are so many uh, uh, new Christians that are having trouble uh, uh, conflicting with what the Bible says about fornication, what the Bible says about sexual immorality, what the Bible says about homosexuality, because they're approaching the Bible with their own thoughts, their own ideas, and their own plans. And when it comes to the Bible, like, look, well, I still want to be a Christian, so I'll pick apart the Bible a la carte and allow it to be applied to my life, and then I'll call myself a Christian. No, that's not what being a Christian is. Either you accept this whole word of God or accept nothing at all. The God is not looking for you to be a part-time lover. He's not looking for you to be a, a part-time relationship. When the Bible talks about our relationship with, with us and God, with, with God's church and him, it is a marriage that we're unified, that we're together, that we're one. It's covenant. We don't make covenant being wishy-washy one day and being something else the other day. We are to stand firm against those strategies by being strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, his strength. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the spiritual. If we're going to fight against the enemy, we have to recognize two, two things. You guys ready? Repeat after me. This fight is not physical. One more time. This fight is not physical. And this fight is fixed. This fight is not physical, and this fight is fixed. It's not physical. If we solely rely on, on, on physical, fleshly means, we're going to get physical and fleshly results. If we rely on our flesh to fight for us, we'll, we'll be fickle at best. Like, I don't feel like getting up. I don't feel like praying. I don't think that I want to do this. I feel, I think. The enemy is begging on us, operating in our flesh, because he knows he can manipulate the flesh. He's banking on it. He's banking, he's banking on you to go, I feel. He's banking on you to go, I think. Rather than saying, what does God say? What does his word say about what I should be doing? What does his word say about how I should be responding? What does his word say about how I should be acting around my neighbors? Because it's important. God isn't operating in the fleshly. God is operating in the spiritual, and he has all authority. We submit ourselves to his will. This fight is not physical. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it reads this. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every, th every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. We believe in so we don't, we don't war according to the flesh. We're here. We're flesh and bone. We have problems. We have diseases. We have feelings. We go through all these things, but we do not war according to these feelings. Our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. It's interesting how the enemy works. We have to know our enemy. When the enemy tries to attack, he tries to attack three things. He tries to attack God's authority. He tries to attack God's sufficiency. And he tries to attack your identity in God altogether. Listen to me and listen to me clear. He tries to attack God's authority. He tries to attack God's sufficiency. And he tries to attack your identity in God. 
Why do you say that, JR? Isn't it funny that every popular thing, everything that is accepted goes absolutely against the will of God in his word? Isn't it funny that rather than, than, than a community submitting themselves to God's authority, the, 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 the moniker of coexist reigns true in our, in our, in our neighborhoods? If you don't know what coexisting is where, well, there are many paths to heaven. There are many paths to God. There are many paths to, to, to getting to the special place. But no, we believe as Christians that the only way, the only truth is Jesus Christ. And listen, let me share something with you. Just because you share the truth with somebody and they don't want to receive it does not mean that it's still not the truth. Y'all hear me? Stop looking for people's acceptance. Like, look. You're going to go into your schools. You're going to go into your jobs, living for Christ, speaking the word of God, and you're going to have opposition. But continue to stay firm in God's word. You don't move in a way where it's like, well, I came up with this idea, and I think that this is the way that we should live. Like, no, you are moving in God's authority. Then when you speak God's word, you are moving in his authority, his confidence. The second is God's sufficiency. When we think about when the devil tries to attack God's sufficiency, how many, ever, how many people have ever lost a job before? How many people have ever had a refrigerator go out in their house? A freezer where resources go out all of a sudden and you're in a panic. Anybody ever open up their refrigerator at the end of the month? Ain't no food in the refrigerator. What are we going to do? The devil tries to attack God's sufficiency in your life. Is God going to be enough for you when you don't feel like you have anything? Is God going to be enough for you when you don't have the relationship that you thought that you should have by now? You're in your late 20s and you're not married yet. You're in your 30s and you don't have kids yet. You're at this point in your life and you haven't reached your career that you thought that you'd live yet. Is God sufficient enough for you? In the moments where you feel like you're lacking, in those moments where you feel like you don't have enough, do you have enough of a relationship with God to understand, look, God, I might not have it. God, I might not have the job. I might not have the relationship. I might not have everything that I thought I should have by now. But look, God, you are enough. That what I'm missing isn't more money. That what I'm missing isn't more relationships. That what I'm missing isn't more stuff. What I'm missing is more God. The devil's going to try to attack your, your thought of sufficiency in your life. And the devil's going to try to attack your identity in God. This is important. This is important to recognize. He's going to try to attack your identity in God. Isn't it peculiar that, and it seems weird because I've been feeling like, like a lot of like, like, like worksheets and stuff online. And when they ask you what your gender is, it's like male, female, non-binary. And I'm not trying to throw any shade at anybody right now. But isn't it funny how the world will present something that's contrary to the creation of how God made us? Some people are just like, well, let them live. Let them do whatever they want to do. Yeah, let them live. But if you read Romans just for a little bit, God will let you keep doing what you're doing. And any choice without God is death. Any life without God is death. So, yeah, you can try to make the definition, but Christ presents himself as the definition. He presents himself as the truth. He presents himself as the life. So it's important for us to recognize that, look, when you're questioning your identity, like, God, I've fallen short. I've made mistakes. I'm not enough. 
I don't deserve to live, God. I, I just need to end it now. I think I just need to end it now. And God is like, no, you're my son. You're my daughter. You're, you're an heir in my kingdom. You, you, you have a life worth living. You have a life that is meant to, 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 to spread my glory. You have identity in God. You have an identity in God. God created us male and female for a reason. God created marriage as a special thing for a reason. He created covenant as a special thing for a reason. We have to recognize that we have identity in God. Well, Jared, why do you keep talking about this authority and this sufficiency and this identity thing? Anybody ever read Matthew chapter 4? Where, where Jesus was led off into the wilderness and he was tempted by Satan. Can we turn there real quick? I know we don't have it in the notes. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. And I'm going to jump around a little bit. Let's look at the devil trying to attack. And with Jesus being our example, Jesus being the author and finisher of our faith, he's the perfect example to follow. We are followers of Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 says, But he answered and said, I'm sorry, let me back up. Verse 3, Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. If you guys don't know the backstory, Jesus had been in the wilderness for 40 days. He ain't ate. Ain't no Jesus chicken to be had. No water, no nothing. He's hungry. His flesh is failing him. He's without everything he needs to survive. And the devil tempts him and says, if you, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written. It is written. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Hold on real quick. You're telling me that we can approach fleshly things with the word of God? That God has given us that authority? That, that if we're to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, let's think about Matthew chapter 6 for a second, verses 33. Is that God knows your needs. God knows exactly what you're going through. God isn't somewhere off doing random things off in the distance and not paying attention to you. He sees every move. He sees every thought. He sees everything that's going on in your life, and he knows exactly what you need. This is where it becomes a deciding factor for us in our lives. Do we trust God to know what we need? Do we trust God to supply our needs? Do we trust God that he'll come through? So when the devil tries to attack God's sufficiency in your life, you respond with, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. Man shall not live by earthly things alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let's get forward. Verse 5, it says, Then the devil took him into the holy city. He sat on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall, char he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Watch how Jesus responds. We're going to see a pattern here. Jesus said to him, it is written again. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. He was trying to, to come against his authority. He was trying to make him question God's authority. Like, prove to me God has authority. I know God has authority. 
I'm breathing. I'm walking. I might not have, have everything I have, but God, no matter what's going on in my life, I know that God has the best interest of my life. I know that his will is enough for me. I know that God is going to come through. I know that things might not work out the way that I want them to work out, but I know that God has the authority in this situation. I might have gotten a diagnosis of death, but I know that God has an authority in this situation. I might have to take two pills every day, but I know that God has the authority in this situation. I don't know how you guys feel, but I went through this myself, questioning God's authority. In a moment when I was 19 years old, almost like a year removed from being graduated, I had got diagnosed with the same type of heart disease that my dad and my grandfather had. A point where I'm taking the same type of medicine that my, my late grandfather was taking. It was humbling because I thought I was supposed to go to the NFL. Let me keep it a buck with you. I was ready. I was like, let me lay my life down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to practice. God, I'm going to do this for you. But in reality, I'm kind of like, you know, you know when you forge a signature on a piece of paper? You guys haven't done that. You guys are safe. But when you forge a signature on a piece of paper and it's like, it's like your will with God's signature forged on it. So I was telling people it was God's will for my life, but really it was, I was the God, lowercase g. So when I was given this diagnosis saying that, look, don't lift over 50 pounds, which I don't follow. <laughs> don't lift over 50 pounds. You're going to be limited on certain jobs. You, and one day you might have to get oxygen. We're not saying that you have to do this. One day you might have to get a, a pacemaker. I had to get put in a position of my life to be like, look. God, nevertheless, this flesh might be failing, but you still have the authority. You'll still come through. This life might not be preferential for me, but guess what? I know that you still have the authority. I know that you still have what's best for me. When the enemy tried to shake me, I had to go towards God. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your testimony is, but listen, God has the authority. God has all power in his hands. Lastly is the identity. Let's jump forward, Matthew chapter 4. It says, and he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. What does he say? For it is written. I feel like I have like a British accent all of a sudden. It is written. (laughs) It is written. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Your identity, your identity, your identity. You were created to be in communion with God. Listen to me clearly. You were created to be in community with God. He created us in his image. He created us to have relationship with him. And at any time that we go out of that relationship and try to serve something else and try to worship something else, we are out of the will of God. That a part of your identity, no matter if you call yourself a professional athlete or a doctor or a lawyer or whatever earthly job that you have, your identity is found in God because you are meant and created to worship him. Don't let the devil try to mess with your identity by saying, look, you you won't surely die. Y'all remember Genesis? You won't surely die. God didn't really mean that, did he? Had, we been in, had, had Eve been in an active communion, I think things would have been a little bit different. 
We have to take that as a sign. We have to look at at great, 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 great grandma Eve and be like, look, because I'm in constant communion with the Father, because I'm in constant communion with the Spirit, every decision that I make is filtered through that Spirit, is filtered through this Word. So listen, my identity is found in Him. Like, like, like if there was a God last name, it would be John Robert Terry Butcher, whatever God's last name is, because I'm his child. I'm not leaving the house and doing something that my parents told me not to do. I'm looking at y'all. My identity is in God. We talked about this fight not being physical. In that the enemy will attempt to attack you physically to gain advantage spiritually. But we have to also remember, too, that this fight is fixed. This fight is fixed. Everybody know what a fixed fight is? That you show up and, 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 and the results are already in. The battle is already won. That we already have the victory. Isn't it funny that as Christians we show up to battles like we've already been defeated? Isn't it funny that we show up when we try to make real big life decisions, we show up in a way that we've already been defeated? We are fighting a fight where the winner has already been announced. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 reads this. It says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be steadfast, be immovable. I'm tired of hearing about Christians that say, I just can't give up this addiction. No, you have victory in Christ Jesus. You have freedom in Christ Jesus. You've been set free in Christ Jesus. When you're fighting for your fire, you don't have to fall for the things that you used to fall for. When you've received this fire from God, you don't have to do the same old sin that the old man was doing. You are made new in Christ Jesus. The fight is fixed. You are not subject to to, to the, uh, to the, uh, 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 the slavery of sin anymore. Because you've been found in Christ Jesus, you have been set free. And the word of God says that whom the Son has set free is free indeed. There is no thing that can substitute uh, uh, for God's presence in your life. We can't get into the position that we think that we can approach God's word and think that we have uh, 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 the authority to dictate what we can and can't do. Is that when we subject ourselves, when we receive God's, God's fire, when we receive uh, uh, God's uh, authority in our lives, that we subject ourselves under his authority. It's important that, look, that we recognize that I don't know what your past is like, I don't know what your, your testimony is, but listen, you are not that person anymore. You're not hold to those same sins anymore. It doesn't matter how far that you've gone. It doesn't matter about the decisions that you've made. When you've been found in Christ, you are made a new person. First question was, what are we up against? And our second question, we're almost done, 
is how do I equip myself to fight? It's like, JR, you said a lot of stuff in that bit of time. We talked about the fight not being physical. We talked about the fight being fixed. But we need, before we leave this place, to know how do we equip ourselves to fight for this fire that God has given us. Turn with me to James chapter 4, starting from verse 7. And worship team, you guys can come back up. It reads this in the New King James. Therefore, submit. Somebody say submit. submit. To God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify you hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. We get into this thought process that we have what it takes to resist the devil on our own. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because if you try to respond in your flesh, you're going to fail in your flesh. The word clearly says here, therefore, somebody say submit, submit to God. A lot of people don't want to hear that. This, this, this particular word submit in other translations, it says humble yourselves. When it uses this word submit, it's almost like when a soldier submits himself to a, a commanding officer. When a soldier is put into service and is submitted to a commanding officer's commands, that any command, all of my military and veterans in here, that anything that they do outside the command of their commanding officer is insubordination. And insubordination deserves what? Punishment. It's important for us to recognize this, that look, that when we submit ourselves to God, that we're not partially submitting ourselves to God. Like, look, God, I'm just going to submit my, my addictions to you and I'll do whatever I want with the rest of my life. God, I'm going to submit my, 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 my finances to you and I'm going to do what I want with the rest of my life. God, I'll submit my relationships and everything like that to you, but I'm going to do what I want with the rest of my life. No, when we submit our lives to God, we do just that. We submit our whole lives, our thoughts on relationships, our finances, our addictions, what we think it means to be free, what, it, what we think it means to be whole, what we think it means to, be, to be, have life and life more abundantly. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The devil is going to attack. The devil is going to try to separate you and, and, and take you away from your relationship with God. But continue to remind yourself that, look, this is not a fleshly battle that we fight. This battle is fought in the spirit. And as we all stand to our feet. One of the most powerful things we can do in submitting ourselves to God is through repentance. Repentance is just this. When we repent, we're saying, look, God, I've been doing it my way for all this time and I'm wrong and I want to turn towards you. God, all these decisions that I've made have been wrong, and I want to turn towards you. I want to make my life right by following you from this day forward. That's submitting your life. That, that, that's, that's laying down your life for God. 
I don't know how many of you have been discouraged because it's like, look, I've been trying to fight for my fire. I've been trying to fight for my relationship with God and nothing seems to be working. I'm going to ask you a serious question. Have you truly submitted yourself to God? Or were you emotionally forced to do something because you were feeling emotional? When the music isn't played and and the lights aren't dimmed anymore and you're out in your regular life, are you still going to be submitted to God? Or is it just going to be, well, I'm feeling good right now, so I'm going to do my thing. No, 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 no. When we submit to God's authority, we submit our whole life, not just Sunday mornings, but Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, every day of the week. Even in those portions, we don't think God is looking. Every single portion, every single thought, every single move, we submit to the will of God. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at with your relationship with God. I don't know if you've been out of relationship. I don't know if you've been walking with him for 50 years, but listen, submitting to God's authority is something that we have to constantly be doing. So I want you to pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you, God. God, thank you for your faithfulness. God, thank you for for making a way for us to be set free. God, this morning, we recognize that we are nothing without you. That we are wretches without you, God. And God, from this day forward, we want to submit to your will and to your authority. God, we are going to lay down our lives for you. Not just on Sundays or days where we're in church, God, but every single day of the week when we're out at our jobs, when we're out at school, God, where we're out on the highways and byways, God, that we will be submitted to your will and to your authority. Just like you said in your word, God, as we continue to draw near to you, you will draw near to us. So God, I'm praying that you meet us here and that you will never leave us nor forsake us, God. God, I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give God a praise real quick? Real quick before we go, we want to open the altars back up for worship just one more time before we leave because we want to set the precedent for what our lives are going to be when we leave these doors. That we get in the mode of worship and and, and having God's spirit be our guidance even on the outside of these four walls. Amen. So the altars are open. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.